The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. Thank you, Ray, for for reading that passage from the Gospel of Luke. And while you have your your Bible open in front of you, um, if you will, turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, we're going to have another reading from there. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm, I'm sure around 3 o'clock this afternoon, that, that hour of sleep that I missed last night is going to hit me, and I'm, I'm going to be about worthless from then on. But uh, right now, I'm feeling good, so, so that's a good thing. I want to encourage you to be here next week. Chris Clevenger is going to be with us. If that name sounds familiar, he was with us last year. And at that time, he was living in Alabama. Um, He's recently moved to Austin, Texas, and so we're blessed to have him near. And uh, he's going to come and give us a wonderful lesson next week on discipleship. So uh, please plan on being here for that and invite someone. It's going to be a great time. John chapter 12, let's start reading in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there, and Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Many therefore took a pound, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, He who was about to betray him said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charged the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now, this is a story that that needs to be read slowly. It needs to be given some thought. Because the setting is almost just as amazing as the story itself. Start with the characters. You have Jesus, the main character. This is who the story is all about. He is at the center, and rightly so. This is the Messiah who is about to, in a few days, make his way to the cross. You then have Lazarus, who just a couple days before this was dead. He had been buried, and he'd been there long enough that he began to smell. But Jesus came, and he brought him back to life. And now here's Lazarus reclined at the table, about to eat a meal with Jesus. You have Martha who devoted her life to serving others, and she's preparing the meal. She's making sure that the table is set and the food is fixed and and all the guests there are taken care of. That's what she does. You have Mary who is one of the few characters in the Gospels who gets it. She seems to have some insight that, that others do not have. And she values her time with Jesus, and she honors him with what she has. And then you have Judas. 
Judas, one of the disciples. Judas, the thief. Judas, the betrayer. And he's sitting there and he's waiting for the right opportunity to make his move. And this story is fascinating because we know something about each of these individuals who are present. And there are stories about them sprinkled throughout the rest of the Gospels. And here they are, gathered together in one room to share a meal. The Messiah. A man who was once dead. A servant. A devout follower. And a troubled disciple. And they're all reclined at a table ready to break bread. And here's the setting for our story. And before we even get to the conflict, before we even get to what makes this a story, this setting piques our interest. Each of these individuals played an important part in the life of Jesus. These were his close friends. He cared for them. He loved them. He weeped when Lazarus died. He comforted Martha and Mary. He made Judas part of his inner circle. And so it's no surprise that we'd find them all together in the same room. Human beings are unique. We all have things that that make us who we are. And sometimes these characteristics that that make us human, that, that give us personality, that identify us, that they are good, and sometimes... They're not so good, sometimes even bad or evil. And part of being a Christian is cultivating the good characteristics in our lives while distancing ourselves from the bad. At the same time, we also need to be aware that sometimes even these good characteristics that we possess may come into conflict with the good characteristics of someone else. And this is part of being different. This is the challenge of being a church. Not everyone has the same gifts. Not everyone sees things the same way. We all possess unique gifts that God has blessed us with, and we need to figure out how to get along. And we see this in our text this morning. Each of these individuals is giving themselves to something that is important to them. Lazarus is being a friend to Jesus. Martha is serving Mary is honoring Jesus, and Judas is filled with greed. So we are what we give ourselves to. And we see these characteristics in each of these individuals, not just in this story, but in other stories in the Gospels as well. And so these are things that are important to them. These are things that they have worked on, that they have sort of cultivated in their own life. The characteristics that we give ourselves to greatly impact who we are. Uh, They have a tremendous influence on our life and and the way our life goes. For example, Judas gave himself to greed. And this leads him to do an awful thing. He turns his friend in for money. And, And greed leads him here, but, you know, after he does this thing, he feels terrible about it. And eventually, he commits suicide. Martha and Mary both give themselves to something that is honorable. 
But there's conflict in their lives. We saw it in the story that Ray read for us this morning. This is because we often see what we are doing as the most important thing. Martha and Mary are both doing good things, but the way that they're looking at the world, Martha views service as the most important thing. And Mary views honoring God as the most important thing. We feel as though our job, our project, our, you know, whatever it is we're doing is more valuable than what others are doing. And this is just the way we naturally are. Human beings are this way. And this is why the Bible calls us to think of others more highly than ourselves. The Bible says don't think that way. Community cannot flourish if we're all stuck in this individual mindset where everything revolves around ourselves. Even if we're devoted to good things, there's going to be problems because of selfishness and pride. And so we need to to cultivate good characteristics in our life. Things like service and, and devotion and friendship and these things that we see in the story. But that's not it. We also need to embody the right attitude. And so we need to do things, do these things with the right outlook. Well, all these individuals are gathered together with their unique characteristics and their unique outlook on life. And they're there because of one man, Jesus. Even in his short life, Jesus brought people together. He was a unifier of people, even though that a lot of these people who, who come together around him don't truly grasp who he is. But there was one person who did understand that Jesus was very special, and that was Mary. And this story is told because she does a beautiful thing for Jesus. She takes this pound of expensive ointment. This is an ointment that... that um, is created from some, some plants and some flowers that, that don't grow nearby. They're, they grow far away, and so it, it costs a lot of money. It's expensive, and she takes a pound of it, and she anoints his feet. Now, in the Old Testament, anointing was reserved for, for three types of people, prophets, priests, and kings. And so this anointing that happens here is symbolic. Jesus is about to go to the cross, And before this monumental event, he is anointed. The one that the people of Jerusalem will reject, the Messiah, the rightful king, although many people do not see it this way, he is anointed here by Mary. And so many people miss what is about to happen, you know, even those closest to Jesus. But Mary seems to understand. She seems to get it. But notice that Mary here does not hold anything back. This is an expensive ointment. It costs a lot of money. So some people think, well, you know, maybe we'll just use a little and, and save the rest. But she doesn't do that. She uses a whole pound. She's generous with her gift. And there's something else interesting about this text. It says right there in the middle that the whole house 
was filled with the fragrance, the smell, the perfume. So if you've ever spilt a, a bottle of perfume, the, then you know how quickly that that smell just spreads. It's a strong smell. It's a smell that will linger for days. And so everyone who would have come into that house, they would have noticed the smell. We also need to remember that personal hygiene was quite different in ancient times than it is today. People did not take daily baths. In fact, sometimes it was many days that they, before they'd wash again. And so this perfume that, that Mary uses to anoint the feet of Jesus, it's something that would have stayed with him. And it's likely that the disciples would have smelled it as they gathered in the upper room. It's possible that this smell was on Jesus as the soldiers mocked him and beat him and they placed this, this purple robe on him and they placed this crown of thorns on his head. And while they were doing this, this smell of his anointing may have still lingered in the air. The smell may have even remained as Jesus was hung from the cross. And as people passed by, they could have caught a whiff of something expensive, something meant for a king. So Mary's generous gift would have remained with the Savior for days. Now this beautiful act is interrupted by the nefarious motives of Judas. And he asks this question. He asks, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This is a legitimate question, especially if you know a thing or two about the ministry of Jesus. He cared for the poor, and he taught his followers to do the same. He once fed 5,000 people. When he began his ministry, in Luke chapter 4, in, in Nazareth, he specifically mentioned the poor. That's one of the first things he talks about. And so why not sell this expensive perfume and, and help people who are in need? Well, one of the wonderful things about the Gospel of John is that John interjects his own comments into the story. And he does this to help us out. He explains things that we might not understand, or he clarifies things that might be unclear, or maybe he points to things that we may have missed. And he often does this right in the middle of a story, and that's exactly what he does here. And so Judas asks a good question, but John wants to make sure that we don't misunderstand this. Um, and he lets us know that Judas does not ask this question because his motives are pure and he actually wants to do something noble. No, John says he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was in it. And so we see here that Judas is motivated by greed. And again, this will ultimately lead him to an early death. A friend, a servant, a devout follower, and a thief come together for a meal. We're left with a very interesting account. 
It's a story that, that looks forward to what Jesus is about to do. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to go there for you and me. He's going to be covered in perfume once again and buried. And he will overcome death on the third day. Jesus is the true Messiah. Not everyone sees that right now. But it will become apparent in the coming days. This is a story that foreshadows was about to happen. But it's also a story for you and me. Mary is an example of someone who does a beautiful thing for the Son of God. And so... Following God, serving God, requires different things from us. And sometimes there's a tension, just as there is in this story. Uh, we see this tension in the lives of Mary and Martha. We're required to do good. We're supposed to feed the poor, clothe the naked, care for orphans and widows, and much, much more. But at the same time, we're also required to worship God, and to give him our complete devotion. And so it's not an either or as Judas imagines it to be. Sometimes you'll see people who, who do this same thing today. Well, either we do good deeds or, you know, we do Bible study. Either we go out and help the poor or we do this worship. It's, it's not an either or. It's a both and. We can both worship God and do good deeds. We don't have to pick and choose. In fact, we see this in the two greatest commands. We're to love God and love others. And this is what our lives should look like as Christians. There should be times that we set aside to, to honor God, to, to praise Him, to devote ourselves to Him. And there should also be times when we go out and we help people who are in need. We need both of those in our lives. This story also reminds us what our devotion should look like. It should be overflowing. It should be more than generous. We should not hold anything back. And this is exactly what Mary does. She takes this pound of expensive ointment and she covers Jesus. And I think a lot of times we give God our praise and devotion, but it's not all we have. It's not the same generosity that Mary displayed. We give a little here and there. But we don't go all out. Think about the things that you give yourself to, the things that you devote yourself to. Think about where you spend your money. Think about what you give your time to. Can you truly say that you have been lavish with what you have given God? Have you been lavish with your praise? Have you been lavish with your time? Have you been generous with your resources? Have you given God a gift that resembles anything close to what Mary does in this story? We don't have to give everything. But I imagine that everyone here this morning could probably give more. And so this week, think about what you can do in your life, you know, and maybe start small. Could you set aside 
15 minutes a day to spend with God in prayer? Could you commit yourself to to being here for our Wednesday night service? Could you volunteer to, to teach a class? What is it that you can give to God? Find one thing this week. And and do this one thing with all your heart. Fully commit to God and don't hold anything back. Be like Mary who recognized her Savior and gave him a beautiful gift. Let's pray. Father, we recognize you as the creator of all, the one who saves the one who is deserving of honor and glory. We praise you this morning. Father, we ask you to be with us as we look in our lives, we examine ourselves, and we strive to, to find something that we can give to you, something that we can commit ourselves to, something that we can be generous with. Father, we know that you deserve more than this, but it's what we can do. We're so thankful for the gift that you gave us. We're so thankful for your son and the life that he lived. We pray this in his name. Amen.